0: That we can just call on His name. Wow, that's good. And there's power in His name. That's good. Well, welcome to church. I'm glad you came. And while the Holy Spirit may be moving and you feel like you've already been, we're going to stay just a little bit longer so I can share with us all today. Man, it's been a fantastic uh, Day of worship together. If you're new here today, my name is Calvary. I'm the pastor. Just welcome. Thank you for being with us. Um, I did want to just hit one more thing that uh, I guess to re emphasize what uh, Sarisa talked about earlier, and that's the trunk or treat. You know, everything that we do as a church, we have in mind, we're the community church, right? Um, and I want to make sure that we're serving our community, and in every way that we serve them, we are spreading the good news of the kingdom of God. Um, there is a purpose for every single thing that we do, and uh, we don't need more busy work. You know, we're not trying to just, hey, let's, this sounds like a good idea. Let's do something else and get busier. Uh, we want, with uh, everything we do, including the Trunk or Treat, to, for it to be about spreading the good news of Jesus Christ, uh, expo- ex- I was going to say exploring, that's the wrong word, but uh, expanding his kingdom so that people know what his kingdom is like. They have a, a safe place to go, a place where they know their kids are going to be loved, where they're not going to be excluded. I just, I love that we do that. And then right after that's going to be the uh, Christmas tree walk, you know. So, anyway, uh, but we're only six days out, seven days out from the trunk and treat. Uh, we're unique in that. I think we're the only trunk and treat around. Uh, You might see other trunk or treats, but that's not us. Uh, We're trunk and treat, and uh, we are going to be doing that next Sunday. And it does take volunteers. It takes people. We need 15 more trunks or trucks or vans or, you know, anything. I don't know if you might be going, what is a trunk or treat? Um, We have done in the past where... I guess it's the same as this time, but you can have your trunk and you decorate it a certain way, and obviously not scary and not any of that stuff, but decorated. And we have candy and kids come and we pass it out. And uh, we're gonna have one of the trunks is gonna be the church and information about the church and information about Jesus. And so um, it's just uh, it's a good time for us to do that. I know that the teens are actually gonna take the church van and turn it into a Mario Kart. Um, you wow. know, so it's gonna be a. I think that's one of the more unique ones I've seen. It's going to be a good time, but you know, it can be any kind of a thing. Just we're going to open up the truck or a trunk or a van or a whatever, and it's going to have um, be decorated in some corner, some sort of thematic way and give candy out to the kids that come. So, Anyway, if you have more questions about it after the service, uh, D is going to be back there with information to help you, to help sign up. If you didn't get your phone out, to scan the QR code, but, which Teresa was showing you, um, she'll be disappointed, I know. But you're still not a chance in the back to do that. By the way, isn't it interesting, QR codes, they've made the greatest comeback in all of COVID. Have you noticed that? Like Before COVID, QR codes were, were around, but nobody really used them. And then all of a sudden, with COVID, everybody was like, oh, wait a minute, we're not going to pass papers around anymore. So it became about the QR code. So now everybody knows what a QR code is because for a while you couldn't go out to eat unless you knew how to use it, <laughs> or at least you couldn't order off the menu. So a tough crowd today. Everybody okay? Are you there? We, we doing okay this morning? Should I just quit making jokes? I, I mean, like, I don't know what's going on. All right, Teresa says it's not being funny. Um, let's, let's move on. We're going to continue with Ephesians. I'm sorry that I wasn't here last week. Uh, I had some time away with Teresa. It was fantastic. I'm glad to be back, though. Steve Pettit is and his wife Amanda, one of our ministry partners with the Rescue Hill Ministry, and I, I hope that Steve talked about that some last week. But uh, they, I was glad that he was able to speak for us last week. Um, today we're going to continue talking about Ephesians. In fact, we're going to be in Ephesians uh, for some time. So we've been involved in this discussion on Ephesians. It's Ephesians is a letter. Uh, it's called an epistle. You might have heard that before. That word epistle just means letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus and it's Ephesians. And I give a whole history on that on the, on the first message a few weeks ago if you wanted to go back and listen to that. Uh, but it's a book in the New Testament and one of Paul's most famous letters. And remember that through this, one of the reasons that God has led me here is because we want to be a church that is committed to an inward journey of spiritual practices and an outward journey of missional engagement, which is one of the things that we will be fulfilling next week with the Trunk and tree. Uh, this is how we will fulfill our church's why, which is to love like Jesus so lives are changed. If not for that, then what are we doing, right? So we talked about the transforming effect that the Holy Spirit has in our lives. Uh, because of the Holy Spirit, He enables us, He catalyzes an inward change that results in an outward change. That's uh, what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. So uh, we're digging into Paul's letter in the Ephesians because I think Paul does a really good job of explaining two things here. And the book's kind of, it's, this is an oversimplification, but it's kind of two parts. The first part, he talks a lot about the grace that we have been extended because of Christ or through Christ. And um, he does a really good job of giving a clear theology based on Jesus' teaching. And then the second part of Ephesians is that uh, he talks about our responsibility to the body of Christ. Once we've accepted this grace, once we've um, become a part of the family of God, then we have a responsibility. So he kind of does that. And right now we're still talking about the theology part, what grace looks like, the things in our lives. So one of the reasons I believe that God has brought us to this book of Ephesians is because... uh, we have done, as a church, a tremendous job as explaining the grace of God, helping people understand that they will be loved, helping people uh, understand that they are welcomed into His kingdom, that we have this incredible gift of salvation through His grace. We've done a great job of that. Um, out of that comes the need for people to be involved in what uh, is referred to in the New Testament and Acts as the ecclesia, the the That word has a long history of how it got translated into church, but it really means a gathering of of people with a similar purpose or idea. So uh, the ecclesia, the the body of believers, is who we are. And I think that out of what we have been talking, which is His grace and people welcome into His kingdom and things like that, we also now have a responsibility to the ecclesia. So uh, just a a quick recap to get us caught up is... uh, we talked a little bit about the fact that we are dead in Christ we are spiritually dead we this comes because we become slaves to the spirit of th- the devil. We become slaves to him. Sin captures us. It makes us slaves and it causes us to cave to the desires of our flesh. So we deserve God's wrath. That's the way Paul starts this. Because we are slaves, because we have fallen into this way of sin, we deserve God's wrath. But God, right? Only by the grace of God are we not able to be the subject of God's wrath. Otherwise, we certainly would be. So, um, Jesus, this is where we get the song, Jesus paid it all. He paid all of it. In verse 5, he says, "...God made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus." In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. It's through Jesus. So we were going to die. We have no hope. We were destined for an eternity in hell. But God. That's that's just amazing. We try to make ourselves right in God's eye. It's something we we try, but Scripture says that when we try, our righteousness, our trying, is like filthy rags. In other words, we cannot do it. So Jesus paid the way and showed us how. Not only did he pay the way, he was a spirit-sourced human who showed us how. So we've been saved by grace through faith. The incredible thing is that God wanted us while we were still in sin we were still in sin and God wanted us. When I was a kid, uh, we had, well, you knew I grew up in a trailer park, so we had people all around who I just, um, I guess since I grew up there, I can talk about this because I'm not trying to be prejudiced, but people who maybe didn't take baths all the time. Let's just say that. And and some of them had children who spent time at our house because they were my friends. (laughs) And I can remember that, um, my dad, and this is something that he taught me, like he would invite them over and he would, and I didn't know any better, you know, it was just the way we did life. And he would give them a bath and somehow they would end up with some new clothes. Now, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. And, you know, he would kind of take care of them and then um, take them, they would go to church with us and they would do all the things. But the thing about it, the reason I'm saying that is because my dad invited them in while they were still dirty and while they still didn't smell good and, you know, while they still were who they were but my dad invited them in anyway, and then cleaned them up, right? And that's what Jesus wants to do with us. He doesn't say, get clean and then come to me. He wants us while we're still dirty, and he's going to clean us up. So after explaining how everything is under Jesus, Paul, he explains the depth of our depravity, the depth of the human nature, and that's where we pick it up today. So I have a clock on the back. Don't look. It keeps track of my time, so I'm going to try to make sure I stay within my uh, time limit here. But um, We're going to pick it up with verse 11, and I'm going to, um, chapter 2, verse 11, it'll be on the screen for you. Also, by the way, the notes for today's message are in the Bible app or the church's app. You can go to the church's app and go to the services section and, and get it in there. So starting with verse 11, therefore... Remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the uh, the circumcision that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now, there's those words again, but now in Christ Jesus you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. I'm going to stop there for just a second and go into this first part because Paul begins, and I've heard preachers say before, anytime that Paul says, therefore, you need to see what it's therefore. So what is Paul doing? He's just explained to us, this is one of the reasons that that um, we recap, is he just explained to us all the problems that there are in sin, all the, the ways that we're slaves to sin and to uh, the spirit of the uh, ruler of the world. And like he's explained all those things to us, and, and that it's through Jesus that we've been saved. He says, So therefore, you understand that you used to not belong. That's the first point today. You, you used to not belong. And, and he paints this image of an us versus them. Remember that formerly, you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves a circumcision, what he's doing is he's explaining to people, those who are listening, that there used to be a division. And the division he's talking about is the prejudice that existed between Jews and Gentiles. Now, I'm not going to go into all of the things that I've talked about before. I've talked about prejudice and racism in our church before. And there they are a stigma that seems to just pervade these difficult times that we're living in and I'm not going to dive into that today but we need to remember that we have all been made one in Christ. We have all been made one in Christ. In other words, there is no room for prejudice against any person, against any gender, against any ethnicity or race. We are all one in Christ. And that's what Paul's setting us up here because understand that if when you have accepted Christ, When you have understood that you are living under His grace, you become His ambassador, and we are called to be different because we operate as people who have been sourced by the Holy Spirit. Not sourced by the Spirit of this earth, which is our flesh, but sourced by the Holy Spirit. So we do not hate, period. There's just no room for hate. The way people act, you'd think that, This is a more recent problem. (laughs) Now Solomon reminds us in Ecclesiastes, if you read it, there is nothing new under the sun. There just is nothing new. It seems that this problem goes all the way back to the advent of sin and apparently existed when Paul wrote this letter. It reminds me of the uh, scene in the movie Forrest Gump when he was a child and he was on the bus and he was trying to find a seat. And some of you may have seen that and remember they would That He was walking down, and the kids kept scooting and saying, Oh, can't sit here. Can't sit here. Seat's taken. You remember that? That's what prejudice does. We get to this place, and we're like, Oh, can't sit here. You're not welcome here. Don't come here. So what Paul's doing is he's painting a picture of your life before Christ and after. Here's who you were before. Here's who you are after. And he points out how the Gentiles were called names. They were left out. They were separated from Christ. They had no place to belong. They were without hope. They were living in a world without Jesus, without God. He's showing the depravity of their condition. Gentiles were just being left out. And remember, the church in Ephesus was largely a Gentile population. So they would have understood what had happened here. So uh, one of my favorite statements in Scripture is "But God," and, and that's what we read right here. But now, it was but now in this in this case, verse thirteen. But now in Christ Jesus, because of what Jesus did for us, everything is different. It's not the same. It's not going to be the same anymore. By the blood of Jesus, you and me who were far away have been brought near to God. There was a dividing wall. You understand that You were excluded. You were called names. You were left out. You were separated from Christ. You had no place to belong. You were without hope, living in the world without God, but God. In other words, by the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been brought near. And thank you to Jesus, or else you and I, wouldn't be able to sit here today having the same understanding. And then we move on. Verse 14. For he himself is our peace. (laughs) This is uh, Lucas scripture during prayer. The peace of God. We talk about the peace that passes understanding. Jesus is our peace. We're talking about the peace of God who is not concerned or anxious about anything. In Hebrew and Greek means anything, right? We, we, nothing. We are not anxious about anything because God is not. All right, so he is our peace. People don't understand how we have such peace. Who has made the two one, has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. There's a lot there. I I really don't want to rush through Ephesians. I'm trying to take chunks at a time, but man, this is so good. So there's, there's a lot here. And and I've. This reminds me of like so. Do you like your wall? <laughs> the prejudice that you have. Do you like your wall? This imagery comes from the Temple Mount area in Jerusalem. So I have an image here, and uh, we can look at that. The temple was the holiest site in all of Judaism. There's a lot here to digest, so I'll give you a second to to look at it, and I'll point some things out. See, the further the. The further you walked in the kingdom, you entered it where it says number 11 there. The further you walked in, the closer you got to number one, which is the Holy of Holies. And each part had a different section, a different thing. Now, this isn't the uh, tabernacle, which I know our Sunday school class has been going through the tabernacle. And this isn't Solomon's temple. This is Herod's temple, um, which would have been based on Solomon's temple. But the further you went in the closer you got to the Holy of Holies. Now, an interesting thing about this, and Paul doesn't talk about this here, but uh, the division between one and two, uh, or one and three, excuse me, the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place, that veil, when Jesus died, that was torn. That curtain was torn, which is uh, symbolic that the Holy Spirit, God, who was tied up in number one, that was where they kept him, is now loose on us. So we should act like it, <laughs> right? All right, so the further you walked in the temple, the holier the space got. At the furthest, the, the Holy of Holies, there was this curtain that we're talking about. So I'm sure you remember the Ark of the Covenant is, is where God's presence existed. That's where they kept, um, number one, the Holy of Holies, that's where they kept the Ark of Covenant. So when the children of Israel left Egypt, the presence of God, the, pre- the Holy Spirit essentially, was uh, evident on the Ark by a pillar of a cloud during the day and fire at night. You guys remember that story. So everywhere that they went and then when they would set the tabernacle up, this would have been really cool to see. You should do some study on this. When they set the tabernacle up in, I mean, the, uh, yeah, the tabernacle, they would put the Ark of the Covenant there. The, the presence of God, His glory would rest on it. So at night, the fire was still evident and burning and people could look and be like, oh, there's God. <laughs> it's crazy, right? There's, and there's a lot there. I'm not going to get into that. But between the court of the Gentiles and the inner area, so if you see here, you can see the court of Gentiles, which is number 12. So Gentiles were not thought well of. Between, between the court of Gentiles and the inner area of the Temple Mount, there was a wall. The wall was intended to keep Gentiles out. And as, as you walked in, there would have been warning signs posted for Gentiles. Caution, do not proceed any further. You may be killed. Don't go any closer. And it was the law allowed for the Gentile to be killed on the spot if they got any closer. So we don't understand because we haven't had to deal with this. The wall was broken and Paul's writing about that and so we're learning about that today. This is the wall that Jesus was talking about, the wall that separated Jew from Gentiles. So, very soon as the Holy Spirit is unleashed, now he's available to everybody, right? Gentiles began to get saved, to believe in Christ and to start to follow God, this God that they heard about. But now the Jews didn't know what to do with the Gentiles. Oh, what are we going to do? All these Gentiles are getting saved. I don't know. Do we require them to be Jews? Do we have to make them worship in the temple? Do we need to circumcise the men? Like, how, do we, how are we going to do this? We don't know what to do. Do they get converted to Judaism? Do they have to follow kosher law? There's all these questions. And, and we know that in Ephesus, most of the Christian community was Gentile and they had formerly followed the Greco-Roman religions, and they believed in Zeus and, and other gods, and, and that they uh, lived on the uh, Mount Olympus. And listen, the difference between the two gods could not—the two, our God and their gods—could not be more profound. You have Jesus, who is the faithful servant leader, who gave himself up, right, and then was resurrected against these fickle Roman gods who may strike you with the bolt of lightning at any moment. They couldn't have been more profound. So this is why Paul exclaims that they were without hope. You used to have no hope. Your hope was in Zeus. He was your hope, which is no hope. They had no future with their gods. They would bury them and put a coin on their eyes so they could... Pay the ferryman when they died to transport them to wherever. Like it, It was a crazy way to live. You had no hope. But through Christ Jesus, your hope has been renewed. In Christ, we have hope and peace. The walls came tumbling down. In Jesus, something has happened to the wall that divided us. In his death on the cross, Jesus brought about a reconciling peace. Not only are we reconciled to God through Christ, and this is important and really the thrust, the theme of today. We have been reconciled to each other. And that's where Paul's going with this today. He's talking about the reconciliation we have to God through Christ, which is remarkable in itself, right? By grace, we've been saved. Nothing else. But also, we have been reconciled to each other. In other words, the walls have come down. Now, Paul's writing specifically about the wall that separated Jews and Gentiles in Christ. The Holy Spirit has wrecked those walls. But for us, it seems like we bring walls back, right? Paul says that through him, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. But then as a church, we tend to build our own walls between Protestant or Catholic between the kind of music we like for worship, between vaxxers and anti-vaxxers, between man and woman, between Democrat and Republican, between whatever, like we put all these walls up. But Paul's saying there are no walls. There shouldn't be in the kingdom. If it's a true kingdom of God, there are no walls. No matter your political affiliation, the color of your skin, the place of your birth, it just doesn't matter. In Christ... We have all been made in one. I mean, in the Holy Spirit, we've all been made one. We are a new community. We're a new type of community. They had never experienced this before. This was all new to them. And you know, the basis of all of this was love. That was the basis of all of it. Jesus tells his disciples right before he dies, he says, here's a new command, which is if you study that, that's remarkable that he would say, here's a new command. You have all these commands? Listen, I'm going to give you a new one. Here's the new one. <laughs> Ready? Love one another. Really? Yeah. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, it's more than just love. It's a new way to love. By that, people will know that you are my followers. By the way you love each other. And and so it's all based on love. So now this type of community has no walls, has no prejudice, has no hate. There's just no room for it. He's establishing a new way to be. And it's because of that, and I I don't have time to get into all the history, but it's because of that that in just a few hundred years, the entirety of the uh, known world, the civilized world at the time, over half of it, the majority, became followers of the way, they called it. Became Christian. Because everybody loved each other so well. And prejudice was gone. And if you were poor, it didn't matter. And if you were wealthy, it didn't matter. And if you stunk, it didn't matter. If you were clean, it was okay. Like everybody. And if you were uh, Greek, it was fine. If you were Jew, it was fine. If you were Egyptian, no problem. Like everybody was welcomed in. And so if we translate that today, we have been made one. Right? Let's finish the scripture. Verse 19, Consequently, <laughs> so, all of these things I just said tell you this. You are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling In which God lives by His Spirit. If we are all one in the building that God is building, that Jesus is the cornerstone of, and and you understand, you've heard preachers talk about it before. The cornerstone was the most square of all the stones, so that the rest of the building was perfect, the foundation. But that cornerstone, it had to be perfect 90 degrees, everything's exactly right. The rest of the building is built on that one stone. Jesus is our cornerstone. He is the one who makes this place perfect. He is the one who makes us no longer strangers, but citizens. We are the type of community, this church specifically, where everybody gets to be a citizen. Everybody gets to be. Your social or economic status doesn't matter. Your gender or ethnicity doesn't matter. Your race or nationality doesn't matter. We are a community that is built on a foundation of Jesus Christ with him as the cornerstone and in him the whole building is held together. Paul must have known something about construction because if you know something about construction, that's incredible. <laughs> and he, here's the kicker. Here's here's where Paul what he's been saying and where he's going. All of this is possible because we all, if you picked up on this earlier in the, this, today's scripture, all of this is possible because we are all in the Holy Spirit. He's one Spirit. And we are all in Him. He has made us all one. And if we have all been made one, then hate is impossible if you're following that Spirit. And I think that What is going to make a difference in this world is if we live the credo that the Holy Spirit has called us to. And and here's something. A couple of weeks ago, we had revival, a revival weekend. And one of the things that uh, the guys talked about that you're going to hear me say a lot about is there's a difference between living in the spiritual and living in the physical. There's two different types of, of people. The physical is the flesh, and it's where sin happens. It's where hate is. It's where prejudice is and racism. and it's where that, That's where that lives. And the Spirit is where the Holy Spirit is. And this is what He's calling us to, is to be Spirit-sourced so that we are walking around everywhere we go. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Help me to live and exist the way that you want me to. And everything that I think, every way that I act, everything that I do comes from you. It's just a different way to live. Jesus didn't come so that we could figure out a way to make it to heaven, which is what the gospel has been reduced to in modern culture. Jesus came to teach us a new way to live it's a spirit source way and i'll talk about this more in the future but paul teaches that jesus he says jesus did not consider equality with god something to be grasped but rather set his divinity aside he he took he was god we believe that but he took his godness and he set it aside this is what he means by he showed us how to live the first sanctified spirit filled human So he put his godness to the side and everything that Jesus did was because he was sourced by the Spirit. And you guys all know, you have people in your life that you look at them and you're like, I can't love this person. (laughs) There's no way. That's right. You can't. But the Holy Spirit, through you, helps you love in a way that you didn't know you could before. It's about being Spirit-sourced. Bruno and the team's gonna come. I'm gonna, we're gonna close with a time of prayer. But what I wanna do is, and as we talk about this, as we lean into this idea of being spirit sourced, this morning, as they sing, I'm gonna ask that everybody take the length of the song and communicate with God through the spirit and ask Him, what is it that you want from me? What walls have I built in my life that need to come down? Some of you, maybe it's not any kind of prejudice. Maybe, it's, maybe it is a wall of hate. Maybe you have a disdain for somebody in your family or in your workplace or, I don't know. Maybe you're having struggles in a relationship or maybe... Whatever it is, just Holy Spirit, let's just ask Him to help us tear those walls down. God, this morning, as we prepare to uh, end our time together, Holy Spirit, I, I just ask that you would be, you have been present and active this morning. Our time of worship was fantastic. The teaching from Paul is, it's, it's amazing. So I'm going to ask you now to forgive us for the walls that we have built up. Forgive us for the prejudice maybe that we have in our hearts. Forgive us for the hate or disdain that we have for somebody in our lives. God, begin to show to us, reveal the walls that we have built and understand that Paul, like, like Paul's teaching, we have all been made one. And honestly, that the early Christians were able to exist, Jew and Gentile together, the level of, of dislike between them before this was incredible. And then, God, you, because we're one in the Holy Spirit, one spirit, you brought them together. You taught them what love was. And that exists and continues today, 2,000 years later. So we ask, Holy Spirit, just show us. Teach us what walls do we have. Holy Spirit, bring us together to be one. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray.